monster creature with such horrific features a lady a bride and scary movie fan some nerds and their website present this woman and her man hello and welcome back to the bride of the creature podcast with me the creature joey g and joining me as always, the cutest podcaster in town, also the currently most pregnant podcaster in town, the bride, Nicole. Hello. How are you, love? Oh, you know. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm fine too, thanks. Oh, yeah, good. You're... Yes, You're the good. bride is extraordinarily pregnant. I'm just a bit uncomfortable. I'm like... Less nine, than, nine months. I'm nine months pregnant. Yeah, we're less than much. ten days away from the arrival of the 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 um, return of the son of a creature. Only in this instance, it's not a son. But you gotta come up with something better than that. Well, there's daughter of Dracula. I guess I could just say daughter of creature, but it doesn't sound as good. Okay. We're all sons in the eyes of the Lord. Anywho, oh my God. So welcome so into the sad. podcast. I, don't blame me. Blame the Lord. Um, this month, it was my pick, and we had had far too much highbrow, highfalutin, and or 1980s films. Everything was too yeah. modern. Everything was, it was recent. It was either 80s or two, 2000s for yeah, a while had, there. We've had a lot of modern, I newer have, Nicole movies. I have gone through a 80s phase. Right? Yeah. Like you and the rest of our culture. That's just continuing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a huge fan of that I whole thing. I love phase. 80s horror movies. They're just so funny. I, I like a lot of them, but I've OBD'd on them. And now the fact that our culture is inundated with nothing but 80s nostalgia, I am sick to death of the 80s. And so... It's this... actually 90s nostalgia now? Hello? Well, the, the 90s sucked at the time. Why would anyone be nostalgic for the 90s? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? The 80s sucked too, so who gives a shit? Uh, the point being... Um, anyway, yeah, I'm, I am glad we're having something different a little bit more diverse let's bring back the roaring 20s that should be our new nostalgia we should have flappers i don't want to dress like a flapper fine ruin everything where you go back to wearing your stupid fucking hot pants <laughs> and your goddamn what uh, are hot pants 80s i've never heard of hot pants before what are they, do they have like heaters like lycra hot they have, pants like, heaters in them you no they're not Hot, Turn like, temperature. Up. They're just called hot pants. They're like those, like, lycra pants. It's... Lycra? What is lycra? Jesus Christ. Read a fucking book. <laughs> I, I read many books. It's not about lycra. Yeah, fucking Bridget Jones's diary doesn't count I've never read Bridget Jones. <laughs> How dare you? You know, I have actually heard from multiple people that that's actually a pretty good book. Like, it's well-written enough. I don't know. I don't care. You are... You just continue with your book report. The point I'm making is that we watched a film from 1932 from Paramount Pictures. Why did Pictures. you say it that way? What do you mean? 1932. Year of Our Lord. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Paramount Pictures presents Earl C. Carton's... Not Carton, asshole. Kenton. Earl C. Kenton's 1932 pre-code science fiction horror film, The Island of Lost Souls. And I pause there, because that's when I'll play the trailer. trailer. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going to cut this out. <laughs> I like a more organic tone. Okay. So, when you say pre-code, when did the code come How about we talk about this after the trailer? I, I thought we were pausing. No, I haven't paused anything. Behind the curtain. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
You're convinced that the thing on this table isn't human. Its cries are human. Do you know what it is, what I began with? No. An animal. Well, we may as well discuss this frankly, now that you know the facts. I wanted to prove how completely she was a woman. I'm not beaten. I'll burn out all the animal in her. No. I'll make her completely human. No, no. Yeah. Classic. Before we went to break, you were asking about the Hayes Code. Yeah, when did that come into play? Uh, well, the Hayes Code, I believe... Um, was in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like it started in like 1933 or 34. Yeah, 34 to 54 was the like the heyday of it. Um, there was a production code under Will Hayes starting as early as 1922, but it didn't become more aggressive and like um, sensorial until about 1933, 1934. So this was towards the end of the lax period before things would start to get a lot more locked down until the mid to late 50s. I kind of thought that because of some of the scenes oh, in this definitely. one. Oh, yeah. This is delightful. There's a lot of good stuff in yeah. this movie. Uh, so, The Island of Lost Souls is based on H.G. Wells' ninth. On H.G. Wells' 1896 novel, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Which uh, you've read. Which I have read twice. It's I a novel it. or a short story? It is a novella. So it's mm. a novel, but it's a short novel. Great. Um, I should I read have, it. It's excellent. I highly recommend it. You can, uh, you, the novel was sort of originally written as like an anti-vivisectionist tract. Like, vivisection is like the live dissection of stuff. Oh. So, like what Dr. Moreau does. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of uh, outrage about that in England at the time when H.G. Wells wrote it. Uh, and H.G. Uh, Wells famously hated this movie and was very, very pleased that it was banned in the UK. Why did and he remained hate it? banned until about the 1960s like, or 70s, I think. Really? Why did he hate it so much? Uh, well, they'd make some changes from the book and they focus, they make it much more of a horror movie. The book is definitely concerned a bit more with philosophy, and um, uh, also in the book, the character of Moreau himself is quite a bit more um, ambiguous. Like he's he's very clearly a villain and a bad guy in this movie. Right. In the book, like he's doing some bad stuff, but it's not quite as blatant that he's like crazy. Yeah. He's not a mad scientist necessarily. Also, in the book, he dies. Spoiler alert: He dies pretty early. <laughs> Like, maybe a little over halfway through, and it, it's a lot more to do with um, our hero living among the beast people for the, for a while. And yeah. Sorry, I might be remembering things wrong, but isn't H.G. Wells famous for um, War of the Worlds? The War of the Worlds is one of his big ones, as is The Invisible Man, so The Time he, Machine. He wrote The Invisible Man. The Time Machine. So um, is he more of, like... Categorized as sci-fi. Okay. This cool. is a science fiction novel. Like the novel itself has some scary stuff in it, but the movie's much scarier. I would say. 
Yes. But yeah, no, it's, de- I mean, War of the Worlds is actually pretty scary too if you read that. Well, that's cool because I'm just like not newly getting into sci fi, but I guess more new than horror. I've been into horror yeah. since the dawn of me being born. <laughs> They're both but very tied I've, together. Early I've, science fiction has a lot of horror to it. Like, Frankenstein is not a horror novel, it is a science fiction like novel. Like, this year I've read a lot more sci fi yeah. than I've ever tried to read and i've been really enjoying it so i think i'd like to read some hg wells quite often frankenstein is actually considered the first science fiction novel i did hear that yeah Uh, but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about island of lost souls so let's start with the film like i said 1932 uh starring charles lawton the great charles lawton um who you nicole would know as the director of night of the hunter but he stars in this movie. He's Dr. Moreau. Oh. Yeah. So he directed Night of the Hunter. Yes. Oh, I, I love Night that. of the Hunter. Yes. So I just wanted to make sure I got things clear. And uh, Richard Arlen uh, plays our hero, Edward Parker. Now, Richard Arlen also uh, was a World War One Royal Canadian Flying Corps pilot uh, who was also... Really? Yeah, and he was in and did all of his own flying and stunts in the film Wings, oh. which was in 19... Oh, shit, I should know this. It's like 20... 28, 29, something like that. It doesn't really matter when it was. The point is he did a bunch of his own flying, and that's the movie that won the first Best Picture Oscar. And it was created Whoa. by Howard Hughes. You know a lot of film history. Uh, yeah, I'm really smart. Um, yeah, so smart that I can't remember what fucking year Wings came out. Also, though, Richard Arlen is extremely handsome. I think he looks so much like Tom Hardy. Yeah, but he enunciates. You can actually understand a word Richard Arlen says. It's yeah, not just that, like, But yeah, so William Richard Arlen, uh, Leila Hyams uh, plays um, a character who is not in the book. It was created for the, the film. His his fiance back at, in, in England. Or no, not in England. I guess it's America. They don't really... I don't remember if they actually say where it was. I think they doesn't matter. Uh, Bela Lugosi is in this film. Interesting enough. I keep forgetting that he's in this movie. Another fun tidbit. Bela Lugosi in this film plays the Speaker of the Laws, a guy covered in this elaborate furry hair makeup. And now Bela Lugosi, uh, earlier, like a year previously, had turned down the role of Frankenstein because he didn't want to have to act in all that makeup. Yeah, I did know that. They played so, Dracula, and they had offered him the role of Frankenstein in Frankenstein, and he turned it down. I think partly because I don't think he wanted to be typecast as the monster all the time, and also because he didn't want to be in the makeup. And as time went on, he was more and more down on his luck and would literally take anything that was given offered to him. So, for example, in this movie, he made very little money. Mm-hmm. for like his, he, he made like less per mm-hmm. week than... Um, than Kathleen Burke, who plays the Panther Woman in her screen debut. I know that was one of the things that he was outspoken about, uh, about Boris Karloff, that he felt like he was so much more handsome than Boris Karloff because he didn't have to wear all that makeup to, to oh, be yeah, seen. In his younger days, and... Bill Lugosi was considered very handsome. But yeah, he can't eat, mm-hmm. but you know him from his eyes. Yes. The story of Bill Lugosi is not a particularly happy one. No. Uh, but he's he's great in this movie. And like I said, Kathleen Burke plays the Panther Woman. Yes. Now, the Panther Woman, we'll, I promise we will get into the movie soon, but the Panther Woman was actually, as a publicity and advertising stunt, they cast the Panther Woman by hosting a 
cross America competition in all these different major really? cities. They had people like submit photographs of themselves to like compete to be the Panther woman in the hopes that that would like drum up some interest in this movie when it eventually came out and they would have all this publicity about the search for the Panther woman. So in the movie, she's billed as the Panther woman. You don't even see her name as Kathleen Burke until the end credits in the trailer. And in the opening, she's credited as the Panther woman. I wonder if they actually like had her cast already, but no, then they did just not. did this. As no, they didn't, stunt, because no? I've heard, I've read interviews with other women who were in the finalists, who went on to be friends with Kathleen Burke. Oh. There's a tremendous t- commentary track on the Criterion Blu-ray that I watched. So, for this movie, unlike Candyman, where I was just so happy to be done watching these, I didn't want to do any research like you did, I read the book, I watched the movie again you with know, the commentary. I feel like as long as you and I take turns <laughs> yeah, doing it, then I got we're really fine. into this one, because I really I got, re- I got super into Candyman, so I'm glad you got yeah. really into this one. Yeah. So yeah, no, the Panther Woman was not someone they had already chosen. In fact, she wasn't even somebody who was interested in being in the movie. Her boyfriend was a photographer who submit pictures of her that they, were, they sent into Paramount, and Paramount added her to the competition and she eventually won and her boyfriend was kind of a twit and would continually show up to set and was very jealous and was really? a pain in the ass and they eventually had to like ban him from the oh set and it was this God. whole kerfluffle so ridiculous yeah so let's uh stupid male we'll insecurities and uh you know what we were already talking about some of the people who were involved in it let's do a little bit more of that um so we've mentioned the panther woman We've mentioned the Hayes Code. We've mentioned Richard Arlen. Um, the cinematographer I, for this movie. This is a fun trivia factoid. What? I was just going to say that I love the Panther Woman's costume design. Her hair. Yeah. Her makeup. A costume that would not fly dress. in the post-code era. Yeah, I just... I love her whole everything about her. She looks her. great. She looks awesome in this yeah. movie. So the cinematographer for this film is a guy named Carl Struss. And he... Uh, as a famous cinematographer, he worked with like Charlie Chaplin on The Great Dictator and Limelight. He shot Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with Ruben Mamoulian. Uh, and he also is notable for having won the first cinematography Oscar, along with uh, his partner on that film, Charles Roster, for a film called Sunrise that F.W. Murnau made, which is one of the greatest silent films ever made. It's really, really good. It's beautiful. This like expressionistic uh, silent film. It's really cool. F.W. Yeah. Murnau, connection to this podcast, who directed Nosferatu. Oh. Mm-hmm. All connects. See? Very cool. It's like crazy. Um, we'll talk about some more of the rest of this later. All right. The plot. So we open with a shipwrecked traveler named Edward Parker being rescued by a freighter. Uh, specifically a guy on the freighter uh, who sees him and hails him and brings him up onto the boat there. It's weird that they didn't mention him in the story. i got to look up his name now because I already forgot. It was... Um, do, he do, wasn't do, do, a big do, character. Do, yeah, Mr. Montgomery? Montgomery was... Arthur Hole played Mr. Montgomery. He was a big enough character, I thought. The captain was a dick hole. Well, that's not... That's the different character. That's the captain. That's Stanley Fields was the captain. Yeah, I know. I know that's him. a different okay. character. Yeah, we haven't talked about him yet. I know, but introducing okay. him. Yeah, so um, basically they're on this freighter that's delivering a bunch of animals to a strange South Seas island that's not even charted, that's owned by Oh yeah, Dr. there's like all just a bunch of dogs on the... Bunch of dogs, bunch of panthers, tigers, and a gorilla. In a suit. It's a, a great gorilla suit. suit. I love gorilla suits. The man in the suit was Charles Gamora playing that gorilla, who also played the gorilla in Murders at the Rue Morgue, which is based on an Edgar Allan Poe story, and also features Bela Lugosi. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. How full circle. Mm-hmm. All connected. Yeah, Charles Gamora was considered one of the great ape men at that time who would show up and he did like TV projects with that ape costume because he designed and built that ape costume himself. And then also wore it. Yeah, and wore it and did That's the performances. Cool, huh? um, yeah, so that's like the first makeup we see in the movie, but he, but that one in particular was done by Charles Gamora and not the man who did the rest of the makeup for this movie, whose name was Wally Westmore, who was also very famous. Uh, he was the makeup supervisor for this, but also did the makeup for Dr. Drekel and Mr. High, which has that extremely famous transformation sequence where it's all an unbroken shot. Of I've Dr. never seen it. Oh, the, the, the scene of Dr. Drekel transforming into Mr. Hyde is amazing because it was shot in black and white and they use these filters on the lens so that he looks normal and as the scene changes, his face changes into Doc, Mr. Hyde because they did the Mr. Hyde makeup and they did it in layers so that as they changed the filter on the camera, different lights would come through so suddenly when they put that filter over it, the Mr. Hyde makeup shows up instead of the Dr. Drekel face. So without cutting, they actually like, do like a... stop motion kind No, not of? even stop motion. It's just they did the Mr. Hyde makeup is on his face and when they put the filter over the lens it shows up but when the filter's not ah. over the lens it doesn't so they actually have it like in real time in an unbroken shot have the camera uh, it's all done in camera it's so cool do we have it? Uh, I don't know if we have Ms. Dr. Drickle it's on it's on our server I don't know if we have a Blu-ray we should it's uh, not a really good one huh. it's not but it's not one of the universals is probably why we don't have that, it because oh, it's Paramount we have Paramount. several universal box sets yeah see this movie was Paramount this was made okay. uh, all the studios were doing big horror features to capitalize on the success of Universal's uh, horror movies Frankenstein and Dracula right. so all the studios started putting them out and this was Paramount's anyway uh Parker gets into a fight with this drunken captain on the ship. The captain goes, fuck you, and throws, like, it's this amazing scene <laughs> where he, like, decks him, and he falls overboard onto the other boat where they're... It's the, quite the, the a dinghy. long fall. Yeah, it's a really long fall, and it's, like, a really great stunt, quote, when he gets punched, and then, like, a very hilarious dummy falls down, like, very clearly, like, a dummy falls down on the boat, and then he gets up, and I'm like, ah, oh, I love when movies look like this. This looks so much better. Oh, I love it. Anyway, Parker arrives at the island where he's welcomed by Dr. Moreau, played by Charles Lawton, who is the fucking best. Yeah. He is so good in this movie. This is one of the great screen villains, one of the great mad scientists. He gives off this perverse like sexual energy watching this misery, like as he's talking about vivisecting and like Like, he's got this incredible erotic sadism about him that would never fly after the code was really strong. But, oh, he's delightful. He was the best part of this movie. He was my favorite part. He's phenomenal. And and he's also very charming. He comes across very likable. You can see how someone who's very charismatic like that would get... The funding for something like that. Yeah, because he's just so likable. He's so good in this movie. And one final trivia aspect was married for some 50-some years to Elsa Lanchester, who played the the Bride bride of Frankenstein. My favorite. And I I highly recommend, off topic, but if you've never seen the film Witness for the Prosecution, it's a Billy Wilder film 
It's a really good movie, but Charles Lawton plays the, the attorney, the main attorney in the film, and he has this, like, nurse who he is constantly bickering with throughout the movie because he's got a bad heart and he's supposed to be taking it easy. And yeah. so they're constantly snapping at each other, and the nurse is played by Elsa Lancaster. And, oh, my God, they're so funny. They were both nominated for Oscars for that really? movie. Yeah. And, and they were married at the time. They were married at the time. They got married in, like, the 20s. Like, and they met in England on the stage. And did they like, get divorced? No, they Actually. were married until he died in the... I I love that. Yeah. Oh, what a romantic story. Yeah, nothing says romance like dying of spinal cancer oh in the 1960s. Totally. But, uh, but I was going to say, like, for movies like this, I think if we had done something like this movie early on in the podcast, when I was in my early 20s, I wouldn't have been open to it or liked it. Remember, I used to find these kinds of movies boring. But... I and I enjoy them more now, but not to the same level that you do, or the same level of eyes that I like my eighties horror movies. But this one, as soon as Doctor Moreau came on, I just he I just love this movie. It was so good because they're sometimes they feel dated or they're slow. Yeah, this does not feel it, very dated apart no, from the film stock. I think that has to do with the code. I think so too. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's. Like, the running time and the film stock give it away as a 1930s movie, but, like, the acting and the, like, the psychology of it is all very... The story, it's all very, um, like, enthralling. Yeah. You're invested in it. Which is cool. Like, the movie's almost 100 years old. The book is over 100 years old. This was yeah. also the first, like, talkie that was based on a H.G. Wells book. There had been silent films before, but yeah. this was the first talkie. And I don't know if I would feel this, like, how much I like it without Charles Lawton, but... When Charles well, Lawton... <laughs> you can watch the two remakes and uh, I think you will find that you might be right. When when Charles Lawton showed up, I became extremely invested in this. Mm -hmm. More so than the Tom Hardy lookalike. Because he's <laughs> just a pair of pants. Yeah. That guy's job is just to stand there and be like American. Kind of handsome. Hey, I'm an American, see? And he has the American values. And yeah, oh, yeah. But interesting about this some interesting stuff about him where like he where he draws lines that are not as black and white as they see when he's saying them but right. we'll get to that uh so parker arrives on the island <clears throat> dr moreau introduces him to lota a young woman whom moreau lota. claims is of polynesian origin it's the panther woman uh but she's shy and withdrawn uh she and parker hear screams coming from another room which lota calls the House of Pain. The first of many references to the House of Pain. Wait, what does Dr. Moreau say to his assistant when he's talking about... Um, um, what's Richard Arlen's character? Parker. Parker. He says that maybe she'll he'll get her to be attracted to him or draw yeah, him. Yeah, that's, that's sort of the point. Like. And the, But the assistant's like, what about us? And he's like, no, we're non... <laughs> we're non-sexual yeah. to like, her. To jump ahead a bit, like the plan Moreau was trying to like he wants Loda and Parker to get it on. Ow! As so that part can, of his experiment. Yeah, he wants her to give birth to a human child. He's trying to make an animal into a human. That's oh, the thing. That's I thought the, he was more like wanting to observe their interactions no, and he's, how she's... He's, yeah. How she... How she how what attracts her? What doesn't attract yeah, her? Yeah, but his his, his, his final experiment. goal he believes that if he can get this panther woman to conceive a child and bear a human child, he'll have succeeded in making her a true human. That's oh. his primary obsession: okay. is to turn these things human through vivisection and all this other stuff he's talking about. Yes. 
but Murrow also, by the way, carries around this rad fucking whip. <laughs> it's just awesome. And so there's other, like, people around the island. Like, there's a, um, uh, like a butler guy who's, like, part dog. He's got, like, hairy ears so that have come to a point and all that. Um, at one point, Parker tries to leave, only to encounter all these other humanoids that resemble apes, felines, pigman kind of thing, other beasts emerging from the jungle. Yeah, they and, all look different. The mm, makeup is really well done. The makeups are very good. Like I said, that was uh, Wally, um, Wally Westmore, who did most of those makeups. Uh, and he cracks it up and orders them to recite the rules, which are called the law, and then the men kind of disperse. So the doctor explains to Parker that he's explaining his scientific work. He was experimenting in London, uh, working on accelerating the evolution of plants. Remember, when the book was written, the theory of evolution was relatively new and still very controversial. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's controversial to stupid people now, so imagine how controversial it was to stupid people back then. Yes. So this was, like... A mad scientist trying to speed up evolution. You're already a bad guy, <laughs> right? So, um, but he's he he has progressed onto animals. He's trying to turn them into humans with plastic surgery, vivisection, blood transfusion, glands, ray bath, blah 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 blah. A dog person escaped from his lab, and people were so horrified he was kind of like exiled from England. So he's gone into hiding to continue his research on this island. Yes, where no one can. Yeah, the titular island of lost souls. Uh, so Morrow tells Parker that Lota's the only woman on the island, but he doesn't tell uh, him that she was made of a panther. So Parker still thinks it's a lady, like a regular lady. He doesn't get that she's an animal lady yet. And uh, Parker, by the way, has a fiancé back on the mainland who he sent a message to. She's trying to get a hold of him and find him. But uh, he's been on the island for like a week before he starts, you know, trying to put the moves on Lota. What a dick. Uh, yeah. so they anyway. make it seem like... Like, he couldn't help himself, and then he has regret after kissing her. Ah, but why does he have regret? Let's get to that. So she spends time with Loda. They spend time together. She falls in love with him. Eventually, the two kiss. And then uh, he's, a kind of, he's a bit guilty, a little conflicted. He still has his fiance. Um, Loda hugs him. But when she's hugging him, Parker then notices her fingernails, which have suddenly reverted to very animalistic claws. And that's when he actually freaks out. And that's when he crashes into Murrow's office and says like I could have forgiven all this stuff but the fact that you've done this to this woman he's not act like he, he's not mad like, he's saying he's mad because this is an affront this is awful how could he do this and try to give a woman's feelings or whatever to this creature he's mad because he tried to fuck a cat he's horrified that he just about commit bestiality and that's why he's actually mad at Murrow Parker is not such a good guy in this that's one of the differences from the book, is that Parker's kind of a fuckhead in this movie. He's kind okay. of a dick. Like, he didn't, it didn't take him very long to forget all about his fiancée and try to fuck the panther woman. And then when he found out she was a panther woman, that's when he got disgusted. And that's when he actually first gets mad at Dr. Moreau and says, like, I would have forgiven all of this. Like, oh. So it wasn't actually what Dr. Moreau was doing. It was only after he kind of so, kind of, kind of tricked you into fucking a cat. <laughs> so, um... That's interesting. I didn't take that away the first time yeah. I watched it. Um, so basically, Lota comes back to Dr. Moreau, and Dr. Moreau's like, how the fuck did he find out you were a cat lady? God damn it. We had a fucking plan. This was going to be great. You fucked it up. What'd you do? And she's like, uh, shows him his hands, and he does this amazing scene where he just sits down despondent, just like the stubborn beast flesh. He talks about the stubborn beast flesh and how he's just like, I can't 
get it right. It just keeps coming that's back. That's when you realize, like, the House of Pain, it's not just once they have to go there to get... Repeatedly. They're repeatedly there to keep them at the level yeah. of human that they are. He has to continually treat them or work on them in the House of Pain. Yeah, yeah, which is really horrifying. It's not just like a one-and-done surgery. Mm. It's like they have to keep doing it, which is right. just really horrifying. So, yeah, Parker punches Moreau, blah, 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 and demands to leave the island. Uh, so Moreau then is... is he, he basically says, like, he, he's giving up. He's despondent until he sees Loda is crying. And then he's saying, I've ne- none of the animals have ever shed tears before. I'm this fucking close. And that gives him the boost he needs to be like, he basically says that he will burn out whatever's left of animal in here in the house of pain. He's fucking dead set on getting this now. Poor Panther. So then we kind of cut back to the B story, which is this American consul in Samoa uh, with a, there's a bunch of shenanigans where they figure out where Parker is. And so Ruth, his fiance, uh, get someone to take her to the island where she's reunited with Parker. But Moreau's like, oh no, please, please, stay the night. It's too dangerous to go out. The uh, the natives are restless, blah, blah, blah. Um, at that point, um, Uran, who's one of Moreau's creations, tries to break into Ruth's room. So basically, when Ruth shows up, Moreau says to, um, uh, to Montgomery, he says, maybe we don't need Parker, Parker. after all. Because also, then he basically, like, it's not explicit because it was 1932, but you see a scene where he talks to Uran, the ape man, and points at Ruth and is basically saying, hey, you should probably go rape her, hey? Because he's like, fucking hey, I don't need to impregnate the panther lady anymore. I can just get Uran here to fuck this broad. It's perfect. Isn't that fucked up? Yeah. There's literally a scene where he goes, hey, you should go rape that lady. And so Uran is like stalking her and watching her through the window. And while, oh, I also forgot to mention, there's a great scene where the Panther woman and Parker are making out and getting ready to get it on. And like Moreau is like standing in the shadows outside watching them like this creepy voyeur with this like amazing, oh, it's so good. Dr. Moreau is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, <clears throat> Uran uh, ends up strangling someone after trying to break into Ruth's room, wakes up and screams for help. Uran's driven away. Uh, Montgomery confronts Moreau and implies that the breaking was arranged by Moreau. And so the guy who brought um, Ruth to the island says, I'll go get the ship and fetch my crew. So he goes off and Moran, Moreau says, like, hey, you should go murder him too before he... So he sends Uran, strangles the guy. Now... There is a scene earlier in the film where we meet the Sayer of the Law, who is Bela Lugosi, when Parker's meets all the animals, right? Right. And they do this amazing sequence where the Speaker of the Law makes the animals repeat the law. What is the law? And they say, um, you know, the laws are like, we have to walk on two legs, or we can't eat flesh, or we don't slurp water, we drink it, like, basically all the stuff that makes them human. And he says, what is the law? They say that, and he goes, are we not men? And they all... Yeah, which, for me, is very special because one of my favorite bands of all time is Devo. And also on the Blu-ray from Criterion, there's a really great, like, 20-minute interview with Gerald Casale and Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo about how a huge influence on their whole artistic idea and the concept of their band and their philosophy was largely inspired by this film. Really? It's really cool. That's really they, cool. They named their first album, Are We Not Men? Answer, We Are Devo. 
So that's great. Anyway, uh, once the law has been broken, because Uram has broken the law by strangling someone at the behest of Moreau, they no longer feel bound by the law. Right. So Dr. they burn Moreau their... shoots himself in the foot. Yep, they burn their, their huts down and start to defy them. And Moreau tries to regain control. He demands of them, what is the law? You know, he's still... He doesn't realize he's fucked for a long time. It takes him a long time before he realizes. Until so he keeps backing up with the whip, whipping it, talking to them, and it's not until he gets into his enclosure, like his safe house or whatever, and they breach the perimeter, Mm -hmm. they come through the door that you can tell he's realized that he's lost control. But it took him that long. Takes him a long time, and the best part though is when like they have him and. The state of the law says they're going to... Basically, he says, take him to the house of pain. And then you get to hear them vivisect him, like, kill Dr. Moreau in the house of pain with all of his horrible surgical knives. Uh, And so then um, they're trying to run away and escape. Parker insists they take Loda, but Loda sees that Uran is following them. She waits and, and attacks Uran to help to give them time to escape. And Uran and Lota are both killed. And in that fight, and an island goes up in smoke and flames, and Parker and Montgomery and um, and Ruth escape on the boat back to humanity, and and that's the end. The island burns down. So I found Mon- Montgomery interesting because he was the assistant for this whole mm-hmm. time, knowing, and I don't quite know what made him draw his own line in the sand. So they, um, he gets a lot more focus in the book because he's, he's much more like a broken man who like Moreau has taken in. like he was rejected by all society and Moreau is only one who's like he's kind of more of a secondary character yeah he doesn't this. get as much in this but like I think it's sort of like well he believes Moreau is a scientific genius and believes in what they're doing but as it's gone too far Moreau like when Moreau he's already a little uncomfortable with Moreau trying to get Loda to have sex with Parker but when Moreau tells Uran to rape Ruth that's when Montgomery goes okay Right. That's too far. This guy's clearly nuts. So that's when he flips and helps them escape. Right. So if it's not obvious from hearing me gush, I love this movie. I think this is a fantastic movie. You said you thought the original title is better than this one? I think the Island of... I, I think it's just because the Island of Dr. Moreau is so iconic a title. The Island of Lost Souls is cool, but it's also like... It just reminds me of like the Island of Misfit Toys. Like. See, I think... Island of Dr. Moreau works as like a sci-fi title where Island of Lost Souls is so strong it's just as so a generic, horror. But I it's think. I think it's strong. I think it's strong yeah. for a horror. Maybe, but it's just the Island of Dr. Moreau is a very iconic title. I think it's an extremely famous novel. Like it's mm. like if they had War of the Worlds and they changed it to like Invasion USA. And it's like that's a cool title, but, but it's they did War make of the this Worlds. more of a horror than the book. Yeah, you know, I I'm not sure about that. I know I said that earlier, but like having just reread the book there's parts of the book that, like, there's atmosphere galore in this, and there's scary, intense scenes in this. The book has, like, is way more disturbing. Way more disturbing. Really? Because when we watched this, you talked about um, how the makeup... Yeah. All, all the, the makeup, makeup is great. really... Would yeah. be scary for someone to see this in the Yeah, 1930s. totally. But I'm just saying that, like, then after, when I reread the book, I'm like, yeah, the movie... There's lots of, like, great scares, and, like, wow, this would have been amazing. But, like, thematically and just, like philosophically and like tonally right. as you go on like it's way more upsetting and disturbing in the book because it gets so much more time but so that's like different than horror that no it can it's be not. it can be but it isn't in this instance the book is horrific it's but the movie's a science fiction movie too yeah yeah it just happens to be a horrific subject and so but is the this book. one looks scary 
Like well, yeah, but books don't look scary. Well, they can put a scary picture in your mind. And they, do. having read the book, I can tell you the book is a horror book as well. All right. It is also scary. Uh, and, and ultimately, The Island of Lost Souls is a perfectly fine title. I just think that The Island of Dr. Moreau is such an iconic title that I like that title better. I don't have a problem with this title, though. I have one or two other little things here. Um, an incident happened earlier in the production. When they're on the ship at the beginning where all the animals are in cages, right. there's a tiger, right? Yeah. Uh, and they had all these like extras and people um, working on the ship. Uh, and a tiger like reached out and grabbed one of them through the cage, through the cage and nearly ripped his arm off. Oh my god! And apparently, like um, Charles That's Lawton scary. was like very upset and like scarred by that, and like it haunted him for like a long time. The guy survived and was fine, but like I guess that was like a really major. Elsa Lancaster talked about how like that really bothered Charles Lawton for like the rest oh, of yeah, his life. Yeah, to should. see something like that, it would mm-hmm. have a bit of. PTSD. Now, the movie upon release was a flop. It did very poorly. Um, It was maybe a bit much. It was a little bit intense for a lot of people. And it was cut to ribbons. It was uh, banned in, like... I have a list here. Did we watch a really cut one? No, we watched the full uncut version. Uh, Here's the list of countries that outright banned the film. Germany, Great Britain, would remain banned until, I think, like the 80s or 90s or something like that. Wow. Um, Holland, Hungary, India, Italy, Latvia, New Zealand, Singapore, South Africa, and Tasmania. Hmm. Um, the In Great Britain's band, they, they specifically banned the film and called it Against Nature, which I just think is, oh, bless, so quaint. That's like the point of it. I know, but like, you can't do that. It's against nature. It's like, that's kind of the point of the movie. It's also funny is that how many of these movies, things like Frankenstein and this, these movies that were considered so outrageous and banned and all that... Like, they're very conservative stories. Like, the stories themselves are saying, like, science shouldn't do this stuff. Don't meddle in the affairs of God. Like, it's so funny that they have such a conservative worldview, and yet conservatives were so upset by them. They were so concerned with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Not everything is Jurassic Park. It's so much better than Jurassic (laughs) Park. But how excited did I get when I heard um, Dr. Moreau say... um, you should find the the clip of it. Do you know what it means to feel like God? Yeah. Now that line was cut in a lot of places. A lot. Of I'm places not surprised because in Frankenstein, when also, yeah. they see something similar. It was. He cut. says, "Now I know what it feels like to be God," and, and that's in the Bride of Frankenstein. And this think, one is it? no, it's in oh, the it's original. In right, right. Um, but yeah, because mm-hmm. I didn't know what. Because oh, I yeah. have. You I'm a huge. I'm a huge Rob Zombie fan. He uses tons of tracks from old horror movies yeah, in his a white zombie song. in his songs, and I've been listening to that song probably since high school, mm-hmm. and I never knew it was from this movie. That line, I got so excited. So, like I was saying, a lot of places censored this movie, cut up, and I just took note of one. There's a scene uh, where the where Parker first sees the vivisection happening, and you hear the screams and see them operating. That was all missing in the print that was screened in Alberta. Alberta censors cut that scene. Us. Us. Because it are, at that time, individual states and provinces had their own censorship boards. Right. So. Uh, okay, and then the last thing I just thought I'd mention about this film was that the director, Earl C. Kenton, also ha- would direct films such as House of and Son of Frankenstein, and as well as House of Dracula for Universal later in the 40s. Uh, and then he also made some uh, some lesser-known films, things like The Cat Creeps, and several Abbott and Costello pictures. 
That's really cool. Yeah. So awesome. that was... Now, there have been other adaptations of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, I have seen... There have been two other official remakes of this. The Island of Dr. Moreau in 1977. Don Taylor directed that one. That one I haven't seen. I've heard nothing but bad things. Okay. 1996 was also a version of this, The Island of Dr. Moreau, starring Val Kilmer and uh, Marlon Brando. Wasn't it so bad that they made a documentary about so, it? So, the movie ultimately was done by uh, John Frankenheimer, I think. But the point is, he early on in the production, um, the original person who was creating it was Richard Stanley, who you know because he made uh, Color Out of Space. The Nicolas Cage one. Oh, that was okay. his big comeback movie. Yeah. Uh, and it was a disaster, yeah. And he got fired, and then they brought started the production again with John Frankenheimer, I think it was. And uh, there's a documentary called um, Lost Souls, The Making of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Right. Moreau. Now, the movie Island of Dr. Moreau from 96 is horrendous, but it's worth seeing because it's so funny. Feruja Balk plays the Panther Woman. Uh, that's funny. The Panther Woman, not in the book, but she's in both of the other movies. Uh, Fruja Balk plays the Panther Woman, and Marlon Brando has a little person with him who is the inspiration for Mini-Me and Austin Powers, complete with, you know, the scene in Austin yeah. Powers 2 when they're playing with piano, and Mini-Me has a miniature piano. Yeah. That scene, identical to that, is in The Island of oh Dr. Moreau with Marlon Brando and this little dude. It's not in the script. Brando just had this little dude and insisted he be there. Like, he is a crazy person by now at that, at that point and was just like, no, this little guy is going to be with me. What made move. him crazy? He was Marlon Brando. Oh, I thought maybe he had something happen to him. No, I just think that he'd probably had like 50 years of being super mega famous and like a, a method actor and I think eventually that makes you fucking nutty. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so now there is also, there are other movies that use a lot of this ice stuff, like animal hybrid people, right? So there's a 1970s exploitation movie called The Twilight People, uh, that I first heard about in a documentary called, um, Machete Maidens Unleashed. It was all about these exploitation films that were shot in, I believe, the Philippines? Because it was cheap at the time. And so a lot of these movies have, like, Sid Haig and Pam Greer in them. Oh, nice. Uh, and I remember seeing clips of this. So I watched The Twilight People. So we're not going to go into huge detail. Suffice it to say, it's a horrible movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is not worth watching. Except for Pam Greer, as always, is stunningly attractive. And she's the feral panther woman in this. Cool. And there's a goat man. Oh, yes. And I, I made you watch the clip of the goat man. Just, if you ever happen to see this movie, there's this scene where the goat man, who is just a guy with shitty goat makeup on and, like, little prosthetic horns, has to kick someone who's trying to rape somebody. But because he's a goat man, like, at first I watched it, he, like, turns around and kicks backwards to knock the guy off. And I'm like, that's weird. Why would he kick like that? And then another guy comes up, and once again he turns around and kicks backwards. And I went, oh, I get it. He's a goat. That's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever seen. But it just... It looked... Oh, it made me laugh so hard. I was it, so happy. It looked super awkward. Oh, bad. Also, there's a really funny Batman. Like, this man who's a bat. Right. You and I'm just like, fuck, fucking, fuck Robert Pattinson in this new bat. Make that Batman movie. That's that, what I want to watch. The makeup was not good. But anyway, yeah, don't watch that movie. But Pam Greer is gorgeous. Watch a Pam Greer movie. She's wonderful. And check out The Goat Man. But yeah, Toilet People, not very good. But if, yeah, if it wasn't obvious, I fucking loved this movie. I had such a good time watching this. I really liked it, too. Yeah. It yeah. was good. And uh, I highly recommend the book as well. I want to read it now. Uh, there's a audiobook version read by Jason Isaacs, and it's excellent. You would know Jason Isaacs as Lucius Malfoy from the Harry Potter films. He's the dad. Draco's dad. Dad, okay. Yeah, he's a bad guy. 
Yeah. Always oh, bad, bad guy. <laughs> yeah. So that was the Island of Lost Souls, which brings us to the Christmas season. Yes. We're going to do something a little bit different this time around. Yeah. Because I was looking through the lists of all the Christmas horror movies. We've done a lot of them. We've watched all the good ones. Most of the ones that are left, I'm like, I don't fucking want to watch this. I don't want to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. I don't want to watch any of the... Did we try that one? Yeah. I don't want to watch any of the Killer Santa Claus movies. I don't want to watch these, like... I mean, I guess we could do Gremlins, but... We've done... Haven't we done Gremlins? No, but we've watched Gremlins. We've never done it on the podcast. It's great. But we hit upon an idea. I don't think we could say anything about Gremlins that hasn't already been said. You can say that about a lot of the movies we've watched on this podcast, but we can do Gremlins someday, but I didn't want to do Gremlins this time. And also we thought something shorter might be good because we're going to have an infant. Yes. And our attention spans might not be what they could be. So I wanted to skip December altogether. Joey, said, you were. No. Well, I kind of pointed out that what else ambitious. we're going to be doing other than laying on a couch with a baby watching shit. Yeah, but how are we going to record when we're feeding the baby? Babies are easy. They sleep. It's the older ones that are the problem. Baby anyway, uh, a thing that I love almost as much as I love old movies is old TV shows. So we're going to watch two episodes of. Christmas episodes of famous horror and or science fiction and or horror adjacent programs. Yes. We're going to be watching two Christmas episodes. The first, uh, in chronological order, we will be watching The Island... Nope, that's not what it's called. It's called The Night... Oh, that's the wrong... The Night of the Meek, which is a Twilight Zone episode from 1959. Season 2, episode 11. It is a Christmas episode written by Rod Serling, directed by Jack Smite. I like this episode. It is extremely uh, sentimental, so... You don't like sentimental shit. I know, but I don't mind it at Christmas. Christmas is when it's okay to be, like, sappy. You know, I haven't watched much of The Twilight Zone, and I have not seen this episode, so I'm excited to watch it. So that one is very much the Joey spiritual pick, and the Nicole spiritual pick we'll be watching is the second episode of the first season from 1989 of Tales from the Crypt, directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by Fred Decker... Uh, who you may know as the guy who wrote and created the Monster Squad and oh, yeah. also Robocop 3 and Night of the Creeps, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, uh, and all through the house. Episode 2 of the Tales from the Crypt. Yes, this is one that I watch every Christmas. It's great. I know I said that we I weren't going to watch a, a Killer Santa Claus movie, but we're going to watch a Killer Santa this Claus is different. TV special. But it's great, so I'm looking forward I to it. I love Tales from the Crypt. And this one was actually the first episode of the whole series that I ever watched was this yeah, one. it was the second episode produced. I yeah. don't know, maybe it was produced first, but it was the second one um, in that season. Uh, interestingly, you know, if you go back and watch Tales from the Crypt, there's a pedigree on that show. There's some real heavy hitters who work yes. on that program. Like, the first three episodes are directed by Walter Hill, Robert Zemeckis, and Richard Donner. Like, Robert Zemeckis, you would know from things like There's Back to Donner the Future and, and Forrest and Gump. Blitzen and Rudolph. And Richard Donner, The Goonies, Superman. Yeah. It also Lady has Hawk. a lot of, the casting is a lot of, like, people you would recognize as well. Yeah, Joey Pants is in that uh, Richard Donner episode. Yeah. Everyone likes Joey Pants. Anyway, I think that'll be fun to do something different this Christmas. Yes, we will be decking the halls with boughs of, of uh, murder. Yes. All right. So... That was fun. Until next time, I am the creature, Joey G. And I'm the bride, Nicole. What is the law? Are we not men? (laughs) Are we not men? Is that what you want me to say? That's fine. (laughs) Until next time, I'm the creature, Joey G. Y'all stay scary now.
Kissy kissy. We are Devo.